Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Hello and welcome to the show tonight. I'm so glad you chose to join us. Tonight the topic is The Psychic Within, and our guest tonight is Donna Sebo. We're going to bring Donna on in just a moment. I want to talk just just briefly about this notion of a soul, the soul persona, if you will. When we were born as babies, day one, we didn't we didn't have a developed ego. We didn't form sentences. We didn't have intentions for the future. We were pretty much egoless without an ego. But our soul was there. And our soul had planned, had intended a, a very specific um, topic or theme for our life. And it chose the family dynamics that we incarnated into. It chose the the mechanics or the struggles or the um, the particular lessons that were behind those family dynamics and. And it was all for a reason and a purpose. And for so many of us, once we become adults, we can um, kind of disconnect or, or lose an awareness of the soul essence of us, the soul persona of us, if you will. And I think it always benefits us to take a step back from what we might see as struggles or difficulties in our life Take a step back and realize that, wait a minute, I'm a soul having yet another incarnation. I'm a soul having yet another opportunity to learn and experience. Hey, you know, I'm a soul that chose this, that chose this dynamic. And so there's there's value to my life regardless of whether I can recognize it or not. There's value to my struggles. There's value to... Um, everything that I'm experiencing in my life because my soul chose this dynamic. doesn't mean we can't get off in the weeds with our ego. But every single time, always, forever, we have this soul essence within our persona, within our consciousness. And what I like about tonight's episode, The Psychic Within, is is strengthening that bond between the that psychic wisdom, if you will, that that deeper knowingness that every single one of us has. And so that's why I'm delighted for this episode tonight. And Donna Sebo is, is the perfect guest to talk about that. Donna is an international mental practitioner, psychic, talk show host, producer for the She's the talk show host and producer for the Donna Sebo Show, Heard Weekdays, and Warriors for Peace, Heard Weekly on Wednesdays, counselor, teacher, award-winning author, and a keynote speaker. She has worked with and developed 
mental skills that she demonstrates frequently in her various public appearances. She encourages everyone to recognize this natural part of the mind-body connection as it is part of our survival kit, survival kit for life. As a counselor, Donna has found that the tools of the mind are very helpful in assisting her to show others how to live, how to better their lives in various ways. She presents programs to groups, organizations that are interested in exploring this dynamic part of the inner self. Donna has also created her series, Mrs. Sibo's Classics, award-winning children's publications and audiobooks. And uh, she's our guest tonight. I think we should get right to it. I think we're, we're going to have a wonderful conversation. And without further ado, welcome to the show, Donna. Les, I'm absolutely delighted to be a part of your program, and I want to thank you for inviting me. My pleasure. You know, I, I really was impressed with the the topic you chose for this episode, the psychic within. It it really hints of this uh, this inner knowingness, if you will. What what led you to choose that for a topic? Well, I'm rather spontaneous in my topics that I choose. The reason I chose that is. The word psychic has been so maligned through many, many generations, and it originates with the Greek word of psyche, which is a representation of the mind and that feminine aspect of intuition within. And this is something that has been a part of my life, well, for most of my life, but it wasn't until my early 20s that I really had the opportunity to be introduced into the phenomenal world of the mind, the psychic self, and that it belongs to everyone. It is not exclusive to any group of people and or personalities, ethnicities, gender, doesn't make any difference. It belongs to everyone. And this is something that it is within us. The psychic self is a natural part of our, uh, of our survival self. It is there to help preserve us. It is there to help enhance us. And Ironically, when we're kids, we're very comfortable with it unless we're taught to be otherwise. And then we have to go through the growing pains of adolescence and our early years, and we may have our own particular experiences that we may call spiritual, whatever terminology is comfortable for people. And there is that part of us that wakes up to this natural part of ourselves and when we wake up to it, we find that it alters so many of our perceptions about life. And in my personal experience, it's enhanced my life. It's confused me at times, but <laughs> that's good because that enabled me to learn how to ask questions. And when you start asking questions, you start growing as a person. 
you start expanding into levels of understanding that you already know that you had forgotten. Right. Well, so when we talk about the psychic phenomenon within ourselves, not going to a psychic, but the psychic experience with ourselves, if you will, there's um, there's the the psychic ability we all have, and then there's uh, an entourage of angels and guides that might whisper in our ear um, to give us clues about um, what might happen and whatnot. How do you discern, or does it even really matter, um, whether it's from your higher self or from your angels? I mean, how do you discern if it's uh, uh, where that psychic information is coming from? That's a very good question, and it's very dependent on the individual. One of my joys has been teaching. And when I worked with students, and I just recently finished my second seminar, Dynamics of the Mind, and there's one in two parts to it. But what I do in those seminars is introduce the students to this intuitive process, the psychic self, that they have. We have so many misconceptions. And the reason those misconceptions evolve is because we hear so many different stories. I was just reviewing some materials for one of my shows, and this person, in the way that they were describing their experiences to one person, might sound like something that is out of a sci-fi thriller, Right. Someone else, they might think they're psychologically imbalanced, maybe schizophrenic. And to someone else, it may sound perfectly logical. It depends on who we are, what our belief systems are, and what the actual experience is. I'll give you an example. When I was in sixth grade, I was very curious about many, many things. And there was this girl that I was being told all of these wonderful stories by. And she was a kid that was always truant for school. And I was one of these real obedient kids. I very seldom broke rules. Right. I can remember, and I was in the sixth grade, I can remember thinking, wow, she's given me all of this information. Well, as it turned out, I was very curious. And I wanted to know about this other world that she was experiencing, because it was very different from the world I lived in. And I ended up going against school rules. And I was in the girls' bathroom. This is really going to sound far out. (laughs) But I was in the girls' bathroom at my elementary school, and I heard a voice, and I'm not exaggerating. It was a very clear voice that said the following. Your mother is not going to like this at all. (laughs) (laughs) That voice was so clear, my curiosity had to be satisfied. And obviously, (laughs) but I was spoken to very loudly and very clearly. Nobody else was around, but it was loud and clear. So that's one experience. I've had experiences with dreams 
In fact, that's actually what evolved the circumstances for me to start asking questions regarding the psychic self because it was dreams and I, they were nightmares to me. They were horrific and in my world of perception at the moment, I was in my early 20s and I asked a friend of mine, gee, I'm having these dreams. I'd been, you know, uh, uh, I was raised Catholic, Lutheran. I knew the story of Joseph and the interpretation of the dreams that he did and how prophetic they were and he saw the future and all of these different things. And anybody that studied the Bible knows these stories. So I can remember thinking there has to be a meaning. These nightmares are really frightening me. I actually thought my life was in danger. And what evolved out of it is that I asked a best friend, tell her what's going on, and she said, gee, Donna, I don't have a clue, but I've got this sister-in-law. She's just recently got association, an association with the Rosicrucian group. I said, what's that? She said, I don't know. Why don't you come on over and have dinner one time? And have, we'll have Tiny over, that was her name. And Tiny's in her 90s now. And she said, um, she'll, you know, she'll tell you about this. Well, Tiny, I tell her my experience, and she said, Donna, I don't know what you're talking about here, but I've got a neighbor. She's an astrologer. You know how that scenario goes. Right. So I end up going and on the phone. It was like something out of a soap opera. I was living in Southern California at the time. I was born and raised there. And we never had storms to speak of. Very seldom did you have storms in Southern California. It's known as the Golden State for a good reason, because everything just glows with sunshine. And that night, when I'm ready to call her, it's thundering, it's lightning. I mean, the special effects were just really right there. And I was terrified, because I was a very, very private person quite young, very naive, and here I'm going to talk to a perfect stranger that is in Torrance, California, and I don't even know where Torrance is. I mean, really, you've got to be kidding me. But I picked up the phone. I called the number. This woman answers the phone. I introduced myself to her, and I said, I am having these horrible nightmares, and can you help me? And she was the loveliest person. She said, of course I can. Why don't you tell me what's going on? That was my first conversation with her. And it was because of her, and her name was Gloria. Because of her, I don't even remember the first time I met her. I honestly cannot recall the first time I had a one-on-one facial, you know, interaction with her. Right. But I'll tell you, the next two years of my life were changed dramatically. It was just amazing, and she interpreted everything for me. Right. So how did it feel to to have that new wealth of information? What it did, it caused me to ask a lot of questions. It caused me to be aware of the fact that there was something she could see that I could not see. And she was an astrologer, and she was also extraordinarily psychic. And I learned from her, and the first step was dealing with the astrology. She did an astrological chart on me. And she told me, she said, you are meant, you have excellent communication skills, you are meant to be a spokesperson, an educator, for those who seek to understand 
the psychic area. And I looked at her with all of the wonderful intelligence and wisdom of a 22-year-old. And I looked at her and I said, you're nuts. <laughs> I, I really think we're brain dead until we're about 32. Yeah. That's my personal opinion anyway. Yeah. Seriously, I could not believe what she was telling me. I said, oh, there's no way. I mean, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. She said, oh, my dear, you already know it. You just have to understand that the dreams that you're having are not nightmares. She took those dreams apart segment by segment. She took them apart via the color because I had a great deal of detail. She took them apart by content. She did the interpretation. And she said, you are feeling threatened. That's very true. However, you are entering into brand new territory and you are totally protected and then with the astrological aspect that she went into and to this day i do not know what system astrologically she used when she passed away and she was only 38 years of age when she died and there was nothing wrong with her she just left her body she had finished all of her work but in those two years she introduced me to a spiritualist church that was in Gardena, California, run by a Reverend Floyd Humble, and it was a profound 10 years journey that I went through. I worked as an assistant minister, and then I was ordained um, as a minister, and I was doing, I was holding services, I was reading for groups of 40 or 50 people, and it was very different what I did and the way that I worked with the public, but I had the opportunity to meet so many wonderfully talented people that exercised their gifts in different ways. Sometimes it was in healing, sometimes it was using numerology, sometimes it was using a stone as a conduit for concentration, tools of different types. I knew one lady that used a box of sand. Right. And I, you know, you what, what happens here is that each and every person is very individual, and it can express itself in different ways. And sometimes it's through something you smell, something you feel, and with my students, I tell them it's all of their senses. It's not just one, but it is all of the senses that are used. And they are dumbfounded with how good they really are. And I'm talking about people that don't even think that they have a, an ounce of psychic or intuitive capability within themselves. Right. You know, for myself, um, uh, up to like 35, I didn't have a clue about a spiritual journey or writing books or radio hosts or any of that stuff. And... I, I mean, I was oblivious to being anything but a television engineer, and then the Cosmic 2x4 cracked me open, and I clicked off maybe a decade or whatever, reading books, and, you know, um, I my hands had this energy, and I started doing energy work, and after a while, I wanted... Uh, I wanted to open up my psychic channels to be able to hear. I wanted, I wanted, I wanted. I wanted to hear... My angels, you know, I wanted that kind of connection. And 
so for a while I I uh, uh, you know I I was kind of frustrated because you know, like I I go to a workshop and there's like five five people gathered around in chairs and we're given an assignment everybody tune in to you know Nancy or whoever and then at the end share what what psychic information you got and one you know the person next to me oh I saw this golden cluster of stars and blah 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 and they get to me and I'm like compassion well what about it I'm going hey that's it that's all I got <laughs> was the word compassion and then after a while I realized that I was I was quite psychic in that in that I was intuitive my I I just understood and I quit trying to force it mm-hmm. and I just started trusting again and it and when I looked backwards when I looked at the wake of my life I could tell that indeed I I had been psychic all along but it it was through knowing this and not hearing it and then once I let go of this trying to force it to show up in a particular way it allowed me to trust the information I'd been getting all along and and that helped me um, strengthen my connection with my knowingness, if you will. I think your example list is outstanding. And the reason I say it is that is something that I tell my students. All too often, people put the term psychic into what I would describe as I, I want it in a physical manifestation form, and I don't blame them for that. If there is someone that is able to do, let's say, actual physical manifestations, but it's, it, it's the rare individual that is able to do it, people get gaga over that, and they go, oh, well, that's what it is. No. Your psychic self, the psychic self, is a composite of many different components in my awareness. And what you have just said about trusting the process is so important. One of the most significant things that people need to be aware of is that as you become more aware of this process, you have a deeper responsibility not just to yourself, but to the way you live your life. Right. And you also are going to find that the physical self actually goes through a change. I have known people that wanted to push and push and push and push and push, and they go through all kinds of different scenarios, and that's fine. They have a right and privilege to do that. But I had one of my students, this was one of the most intelligent women, and this goes back a good 30 years, she had done so much reading. This was a woman who, at that time, I said, this person is far more educated than I am. College graduate, just absolutely brilliant. Well, after attending my class, and that was something she demonstrated certain things for herself, It was a couple of years later that she ends up calling me out of the blue. And I was pleased to hear from her. 
And I found out from her that she had been released from Western State Hospital. Now, Western State Hospital here in the state of Washington is a mental institution. Right. And I listened to what she told me, and I was really stunned. She had gotten a book on breathing exercises, and this was a yogic breathing process, and it told, it said in this book, and I don't know the name of the book, but it said in this book that on the 16th day, after following the protocols, that there would be a big illumination. She had an illumination. <laughs> she had to follow a fasting program. She had to follow different protocols, which she did religiously. This was a highly disciplined person. On the 16th day, she ended up in Western State Hospital because she had stressed out her nervous system. She snapped, and she ended up chasing her husband with a butcher knife around the house. She completely shut down her nervous system. Now, the aftermath of this story, and I was just listening to what she was telling me, is that in Western State Hospital, she was put into an isolation area, and she was assigned to a particular psychiatrist, and they leveled her out where she was okay, and she was back, and she was stable, and she was no longer erratic. Her poor husband, obviously, just did not know what to make of this. And she had a doctor, and this doctor looked at her, and he talked to her because she was rational at this time, talked to her and found out that she had been doing the fasting and the other things, and he said, we're going to release you from the hospital, but you need to know something. You are not to do any of these breathing exercises. You are not to read any of these books on fast-track psychic development or anything else, Right. and you are to eat, and you are to get yourself back into harmony. The reason she calls me is that she felt she needed a different doctor. And I said, no, this doctor knows exactly what you did to your nervous system. You blew out your nervous system. And you did not have anybody that was monitoring you. And you were in a semi-state of starvation, plus doing the breathing exercises, and to this day, I don't think she's ever been quite in harmony. And this is something where people think they can take shortcuts. I know of someone right now, a brilliant individual. This one happens to be a male. And his growth and his development is just absolutely amazing. He has been brought into this world to be able to do things, but you've got to stay grounded. Right. You have to deal with everyday life. You're going to have bills. You're not going to be able to avoid responsibilities. But this poor, this guy, he's had some experiences already. And we have long conversations. And I can see how gifted and talented he is. But I have told him time and time again, you must pay attention to your body. Your body is the chassis that you are in. And you do not need to blow out your nervous system or shortchange your circuitry in any way because you're anxious. Right. You get excited about this. This is a tremendous responsibility. 
this is something that someone listening may say, oh, gee, listen, I should never do anything. No, that is not what I'm saying. What I am saying is be aware that what Les said is correct. You need to trust the process. And what works for you is going to work for you. It may not work for someone else, but it'll work for you. You need to be patient because this isn't something that's out here in the wild blue yonder. It's within you. You are no more separate from what I call the God stuff than a man in the moon. You're part of that stuff. And this is just an expression of you. Right. Well, you know, the um, I'm here to language, part of my life purpose, I'm here to language the power behind unconditional love and how to embody that. And when I say the word power, I mean power because my soul put me in front of one one million watt television transmitters in my 20s. And, and there's so damn much electricity. I mean, this is really high-powered crap. And you push the go button and, and the glycol pumps kick in and the blowers kick in and the power ramps up. And... Uh, and then I got cracked open at 35, and I know my soul set me up to understand, because my awakening was a, a volcano kind of experience of subconscious energy leaving my psyche. That was the pivot point that cracked me open. And it was so, so identical to pressing the go button on a big-ass transmitter. And then, I mean, that was more than 20 years ago, and, and I've been noodling the notion of the human psyche and, and how it relates to power, and that power is love. And consciousness is exponential, and what that means, it's like an earthquake scale. It From 5 to 6 and from 6 to 7 is not the same amount. It's exponentially bigger. So when, when you talk about somebody cracking themselves open and they're leapfrogging or short-circuiting their, their, their nervous system, it's an insane amount of power. And uh, the, if, if you don't do it with grace, like you just demonstrated with that example with that woman, uh, you'll fry your ass. And um, love... Love will not do anything that will elicit fear to you, but that doesn't mean the ego can't inflict it upon itself like this woman going through a 16-day process. But, you know, I, I want to shift the conversation a little bit because um, I liked what you said about taking a shortcut, that taking a shortcut with this this rapid awakening you know, so so say somebody incarnates on Earth, and for this particular incarnation, they are to learn forgiveness or compassion, and as as a a root intention of the soul, and then the ego uh, is birthed in the persona, and the ego is uh, takes a, a footing in the psyche, and the ego might want something that is not r relevant to the intention of the soul for the in this incarnation how does i mean 
sometimes I think we get so far off of center of why we're here that we set ourselves up for a train wreck or a cosmic two by four to kind of recalibrate us. Um, how how does an ego find out if it's headed off the path or is off the path if it's not totally aware of its purpose yet? I think that's called life. <laughs> I have looked at my own path left, and I will tell you, I... And I jokingly say this to people, but I do mean it. I've made so many mistakes in my life, it probably would form a belly band around this planet. Right. And this is part of living. And one of the various things that I have had the good fortune of becoming aware of is that we are given the opportunity in many different forms to wake up. Sometimes, dependent on the environment a person is in, they have to literally be at death's door before they wake up. And I have done so many interviews. I've interviewed thousands of people. And what I have found is that some people will have a deep spiritual experience and then they find that their lives literally go to hell in a handbasket. Right. And they stand back and they go, wait a minute, I'm not a bad person. How come all of this garbage is happening to me? That's one example. You have another example of someone that comes in, very intelligent person, and they, go, they have all kinds of opportunities, and then they choose to go down a road or a path that involves addictions or other things of this nature, and they have to get hit, like you said, with a cosmic two-by-four. And it may mean they serve time in prison, they go through all kinds of stuff, but they are there for a purpose. There is something that they're having to wake up to. They are in a positioning of, are you going to accept your responsibility and realize that you have choices in life or are you going to keep on trucking just the way you are? And life has so many variables to it, Liz. I don't think that there is a black and white answer. Uh, at least I haven't found one. In fact, I haven't found what is considered a normal human being. I don't know one. Do you? No, I don't think so. There, there's seven billion flavors of the human archetype. I'm pretty sure everyone's unique. <laughs> commonality that exists within all of life, but the truth is each of us has a journey. And to wake up, I look at how I had to and still have to deal with certain aspects of fear that were taught to me. There's cultural limitations we have to overcome. There's the components I'll use the term ego, that perhaps we have adopted that really don't belong to us. We don't, we don't really want them, and they're not us. And that, I think that when we come into this school of experience on this planet, that school can either be something that you are going to say, I'm going to get the best out of it, I possibly can, and give it the best, or you're going to be truant, 
Or you're going to say, forget school entirely, I am going to become some kind of a spiritual guru, and then you find that you don't like not having a roof over your head, and being a bum is not necessarily what you really needed to do. And yet, on the other hand, being a bum may be the perfect thing for you to do. Right. The, the variables are just infinite. And I think that that is one of the things that is so perplexing to people. We are indoctrinated dependent on where we are born, what country we're in, whether we're male or female, what ethnicities and aspects are, are incorporated there. And if you're like me, you're a Heinz 57, and nobody can figure you out because you don't fit a box. And you go through all of these adjustments. You experience pain. You experience illness. You experience death. You experience joy all of these different components that are a part of this that we call life. And it has been my observation that those that finally get it don't fight a battle with themselves. Right. They have a harmony that whenever you're around them, you, you just say, wow, I wish I could have something of what you've got. Can you give me a tablespoonful so I can get through this week? It really, it really is a fascinating thing, but nobody can do our journey but us. Nobody. Right. And there's not an, an instant pill. There's not an instant anything. And so often it is promoted that if you just do X, Y, Z, like the woman that I told you about, you're going to have nirvana. <laughs> well, guess what? Right. Nirvana doesn't mean you're going to be sitting around with absolutely everything you ever desired in your life. Nirvana really means associating and becoming aware of that universal essence within you that is ever-present in all times in all places, and you are never separate from it. It is, it's an awareness that in our Western culture is grossly misunderstood. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the notion of, um, I like the metaphor of, of you, you wake up and you're in a tsunami or a hurricane, and, and the, the world is whirling around you and and in your spiritual growth you find your legs and you stand up and you get your bearings and it metaphorically you find your way out of the storm and you you shake yourself off in other words you've you've awakened to this higher sense of self perhaps a, a higher purpose you shake yourself off and then from the compassion of your heart you turn around, you go back in the storm to help others, and it's uh, um, the, the notion, like like you mentioned, just because you're spiritually enlightened doesn't mean you you can't end up homeless. It's I mean, chopping the wood and and carrying the water might have got you to enlightenment, but after enlightenment. They're still chopping the wood and carrying the water, <laughs> you know, to, to function as a human being. And I, I like what you said, too, about um, 
when you embody or personify that um, that knowingness, if you will, that um, uh, 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 higher sense of being, if you will, that people just in your presence can feel what's possible in in this human form, and for so many people, so um, just peace of mind it would be a priceless accomplishment, let alone, you know, uh, a, a deeper level of awakening or enlightenment. I agree with that. Peace of mind typically comes when you are aware of what you are able to do and then aware also of what you're not capable of doing. This is a very fine line. This is what took me a long, long time to understand. Yet I can remember, and I'm going to give you a simplistic example. I worked for the telephone company for a a number of years, and I remember when I first started the job that I was the bottom person on on the pole of seniority. And there were things that I wanted to do. And I was reflecting on this just uh, a short time ago, and I thought, wow, I was doing things in the right way then. How come I was so dumb that I got myself into a quagmire of muck? But I realized, too, that that was necessary for my growth. But I can remember thinking, and again, this is very simplistic, he was, I've got this day where I need to be able to do such and such and so and so, and there's just absolutely no possibility of that happening. Well, I'll just let it go, and we'll just see how it, how it goes. Sure enough, someone at work would have to have a different slot of time. I was made aware of it. I got exactly what I needed. Right, without effort. Without any effort. And it reminds me of a story that I read about a gentleman who wanted concrete for his sidewalk, and he was a firm believer that if he did the action that would support what it was that he wanted, then he would get what he needed. He didn't have a lot of money, so he decides he needs to have this walkway done, and he goes out, and he's able to get some pieces of wood that he had, some neighbors gave him some wood, and he sets up the form for the concrete. And as it turns out, somebody was doing some work on a building, and they had leftover concrete. He found out about it. He said, would you mind letting me have it because I want a walkway? The guy said, sure, I'll just give it to you because we can't use it. Right. We've already mixed it, and it's wet. We've got to put it somewhere. He said, okay, just have your truck come over to my house and so this guy (laughs) ends up with this, this walkway. Right. And someone said, how did you do that? He said, well, I just did all the homework of preparation, and then I just figured somehow the supply would be there. He said, I didn't worry about how it was going to come around. Now, someone listening to that would say, oh, boy, this is really stretching it, John. Come on, let's get real. I am telling you, I have seen this work in my life more than once. But. If anyone listening to this is anything like me and they try to organize everything, they want everything just so, and by golly, you're going to have the pencil sharpened, you're going to have your paper in place, you're going to do everything, and then you go, uh-oh, things aren't going. There's a storm. There's a coronavirus out there. There's all of these things. You go, oh, wow. 
but you still go ahead. You still move with what you need to do. Right. And somehow it all falls into place. Well, it's, it's a fascinating phenomenon. The the I like the saying, um, uh, "Come to me as a child," and and just like the example of the man with uh, the concrete intention, so to speak, um, he let go of how he didn't he didn't care how that wasn't his part of the the the, the creation process. And what's so beautiful about children is when they play. They have no, they have no motive, per se. They're they're totally aloof of any concrete intention of their ego as far as the strategy or plan. And I think it, in if you don't have that lucid um, sense of self where you can totally let go, it's not going to show up as pronounced as it could because. In order for it to fulfill through you, in you, as you, there has to be some some alignment, some uh, resonance with with what's intended to happen. And when you go into this, um, you know, where you try to force it, where it's all through the sweat and and bones of your of your body, then you've totally collapsed uh, a trillion different ways it could have happened. I'm just amazed at, and I continue to be amazed at this, and I know there are probably people that are going to hear this and say, I've been working on such and such for so long, and I want to be rich, I want to be famous, I want to do this, I want to do that. Well, I understand all of that. That's a very, very normal way for people to feel, and yet I will say that there are just so many ways that something can be fulfilled. Right. But it is that willingness to say, well, if this isn't going to work, then I'll do something else in the interim. But you don't give up. And I say that because when I wrote my very first children's book, actually the story itself was written, I was a single mom. I had no money for anything, and it was Christmas time, and I wanted to give a gift to my friends. So this story was downloaded into me, and it's called God's Kiss, and by golly, I got responses from everyone that I had sent that story to, and I was using a typewriter that I think would be on the Antique Roadshow, <laughs> and I, I mean, I forced myself to learn how to use this clunker, right. and I typed the story out. And the response I got was phenomenal. And people said, you must make this into a book. Well, uh, it was a number of years before I was able, it was a good 10 years or more, before I found the artist that I knew was to illustrate my book. And he did a phenomenal job. Phenomenal job. And this is something that I started putting on my business card author, and I put that in my recent newsletter, one of my recent newsletters, I was told, you should not put that on your business card because you are not a published author. Well, I said, my goodness, I've, I've done some articles, and I'm, I'm doing a newsletter at my work. I said, I am an author. One day I'm going to publish books. And 
I've published three absolutely gorgeous children's books, and we're going to be working on number four this year. And I've published some other items. And this is something that I had heard somebody say, put it on, if you've got a business card, put on that card what it is that you wish to see demonstrated. Right. And I put out my first children's book. I was given recognition and awards, and I then was able to put in front of author award-winning author. And that is telling the truth. But it was, where do you put your mind? And I think so many times in today's world, because we have this attitude, everything is supposed to be instantaneous. And life, sometimes, I can tell you from personal experience, it's like the customer service department of the universe. You can call in and complain, and they'll put you on hold after a while. I know, because that's happened <laughs> more than once. In fact, they recognize my voice so well, they say she's calling again. Right. Oh, please, let's put her on hold. we got somebody else that's got priority over her. And I say that, and I'm joking, but I really, I really mean it, because sometimes you have to be just prepared for the opportunity right. when that opportunity comes. And it may be years before you have it. Look at Grandma Moses. She wasn't recognized for her artisticness. I, I think I just invented a new word. She was not recognized until she was in her 90s. Right. This has happened with so many different people. Look at Nelson Mandela spending all of those years in prison to gain the wisdom that he needed to gain to be the leader for peace, not for war and upheaval, which he had done when he was younger. Right. And we have these stories, and people will look at it and, and automatically, wow, overnight success or whatever. No, there was a journey that they traveled. And the journey is ongoing until you leave this experience. Right. And, you know, the, even if the, the lesson is difficult, like I think Milton Mandela talked about when he left the prison, that if he hadn't forgiven the guards, he would have still been a prisoner. Mm -hmm. And And what my point is, is... Just because the the journey is hard doesn't mean you can't enjoy today. Um, uh, the, the, there's so much grace, just raw grace in in the field of love that we live in. That if you look with a naked, with a virgin eye, if you start looking for love expressing itself. You can see it in so many different forms, and when you when you observe love, it mirrors the love within you. and And to practice that as a daily practice, you can experience joy and happiness, even though your um, lesson might be heartache and sorrow. Because I mean, really, we're we're eternal souls having a human experience. Most of the time when we get angst and fret and worry about our condition is from the perspective of our ego or, or our little self. I think that's, that's very true. And I think to grow into that inner greatness, 
which every human being has. This is this is part of the journey. Right. And sometimes people have short contracts in this life. Other times they have average, and sometimes they have extended. I was reading not too long ago a letter from a former client of mine, who's a friend, and she said she has a very, very dear friend who's 104 years old. Now, if you had asked this woman, who is 104 years old, who lives in Arizona, that she was going to live to be 104, she probably, when if you asked her that when she was 20, in her life experience, she would have felt that she was fortunate if she lived past 60. Right, yeah. She got 44 extra years. If she had known that in advance, would she have done anything differently? I don't know. She probably couldn't answer that question herself because all she could do was live one day at a time. Right. Yep. Well, you know, time can go by pretty fast, and I want to make sure the audience knows how to connect with you and understand what services you have to offer and, and how to get your books. Can you... Can you lay that out for the audience? Oh, I would be happy to, and thank you, Les. That's very gracious of you. Well, people can go to my website, which is DelphiInternational.com. That's Delphi, like the oracle, D-E-L-P-H-I, International.com. Or they can also go in, to, if they want to find out about my publications, to MrsEbosClassics.com. The quickest way to get to all of it is just to go and Google Donna Sebo, S-E-E-B-O, and that's S like Sam, E-E-B-O. And all kinds of stuff will come up, and they'll find out about my radio shows, they'll find out about my calendar schedule, all of that is there. And I do private sessions with people, I, with my programming, I interview people all over the world. I've developed the Seminar Dynamics 1 Dynamics of the Mind 1, and also Dynamics of the Mind 2, and if they have inquiries, they can always get in touch with me. But I also can be contacted by phone, and my phone number is 253-582-5604. That's 253-582-5604. And then there is an email, but you can go right to my website, DelphiInternational.com, tap on the contact link, and you can email me directly. But I really, I, like you, Les, really am about the business of helping people to understand that being aware of your intuitive self, your psychic self, doesn't mean you escape responsibilities in life. In fact, it actually makes you aware of more responsibilities of life and it makes you keenly aware of so many things that many people around you may not even be interested in having an empathy for or an understanding for. But you have to remember this is your journey. Whoever you are, whatever you're going through, it is what it is. And just like you said a moment ago, Les, it's up to us to determine how we're going to use it. Very well spoken. I like that. Well, Donna, I want to thank you for being our guest tonight. I've I have very much enjoyed this conversation. Thanks for being our guest. It's been my pleasure, and thank you for having me as a guest. It's been delightful. Have a magnificent, magnificent life, Les. 
both you and those in your audience. Thank you. We've been talking with Donna Sibo, and the topic tonight has been the psychic within. Boy, I so enjoyed that conversation, the psychic within. We all have a higher wisdom, uh, a higher understanding, if you will, within us. And it, it's always to our benefit to uh, develop a stronger connection with it. It's like flexing a muscle. If you don't um, establish a strong connection with your your higher wisdom when you really need it, you you don't always understand the information when it shows up. But if you flex the muscle on a regular basis, where you're having this um, interactive dialogue with your your higher um, wisdom within yourself, then it's easier for you to trust it when you go into chaotic situations, when you go into um, an environment where your ego might be overwhelmed with information. So it's, it's always good to strengthen your connection with your higher self. So I just want to thank Donna again for such a delightful conversation. I always enjoy interviewing guests that um, have made the journey, if you will, and and they're really grounded and anchored in in their understanding of their talents, their their purpose, and whatnot. And I think tonight's episode's a classic example of that. Hey, I want to thank you, our guests, for sharing this episode with us as well. Here at New Human Living Radio, we love to bring conversations that that crack it open a little deeper. We look for the not-so-obvious um, examples of the power of our own human persona, I suggest that all of us have an infinite source of inspiration, an infinite source of possibilities. And until we really belly up to that and and set the intention of fulfilling our potential, our true, authentic, divine potential, that it, um, we would never achieve anywhere near what we could achieve. And always through grace, not through force. Well, I'm I'm your host, Les Jensen. As always, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Until next time. This has been a New Human Living Radio broadcast. You can raise your own personal power with Personal Power Fundamentals Home Study Course at NewHumanLiving.com. Thanks for listening.
guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 